Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hey guys, welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today I'm sitting down with my good friend and a legend in the industry, John Martinez. How you doing, man? Man, I'm good, RJ. Good to, good to be here with you, man. Yeah, this has been a long time coming. For people that don't know, John and I are in a mastermind together. Actually, we're in two masterminds together now. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've been in an investor field together for probably about two years now. And uh, he's he's recently come on board with Next Level Flipping as one of our service providers and members. And uh, you know, with timing hasn't worked out, but I've I've looked forward to this interview. I I'll be honest with you, John. It, it <laughs> takes a lot for me to get nervous before an interview. Today I actually woke up, man, and I was like, man, I want this one to be so good. I, I want to make sure I ask the right questions. So I'm I'm super excited. So. Uh, for people that don't know you, um, if you don't know, you, you got to look them up. But for those that don't know, yeah. kind of briefly explain what it is that you do within the real estate investing industry. Yeah, so real, uh, real simple. All we do is help investors and uh, anyone on their teams that are buying houses, acquisition managers or agents. Uh, we help them buy more houses by, you know, I, I guess it's sales training, but it's really just hey, what process do you use? What, what step-by-step kind of sequential process can you use to guide the conversations you have with home sellers so you can lock down as many homes as possible, turn as many leads as possible into deals? Right. So I, I've, I don't think I've ever heard this before. Yeah. How did you come up with this niche within our industry? How did you fall into that role? Yeah, I, I literally fell into it, man. It was, I wish I could say like I had this grand scheme and like all the, all the dominoes fell and it just, you know, worked out. But uh, I've been sales training for a long time. And um, I actually was, I got called into a call center close to where I live and the call center produced leads for investors and real estate agents. And they were kind of not struggling, but they just, I think they do, they did at the time, like 400,000 a month in revenue, but it hadn't, it hadn't grown in about a year. So they brought me in. I rewrote their scripts and trained their, their staff on the phones. Um, I knew nothing about real estate investment. Uh, the, the most I knew was like the signs you see on the road for, right. you know, we buy whatever. And, um, and so anyways, I did it. They called one of the investors. Uh, the investor said, Hey, listen, you guys have been calling me for years. This is different. What's changed? He signed up, but he said, but I also, you know, they said, hey, we got this sales trainer. He wrote, rewrote all of our stuff. He goes, get me a whole, you know, put me in touch with them. So uh, long story short, uh, I talked to that investor. He said, listen, I buy houses, you know, down in Houston, Texas. Will you come and train my team? I said, I have no idea about that business, but I'm, I'm happy to come down and train your team. So he was in a different mastermind. His name was Will Danker out of uh, Houston. And um, it worked out really well. He told some of his buddies in that mastermind, and within about three to six months, I shut off every other industry I was working in just because just to focus on on real estate investment. And that's really what it, where I've been for man, five years, maybe. You know, I tell people all the time when they ask me about you, I tell them, I'm like, I'm blown away with 
how you carved out this niche for yourself. And I mean, you own it. I mean, I, I have to say, I mean, every, <laughs> every successful investor out there, I mean, when they ask like, Hey, how do you train your acquisitions people or, or sales training? Or how do you talk to motivated sellers? I mean, people bring up John Martinez or I'll see posts on Facebook groups and they'll tag you in it. And I mean, you give out so much free content yeah. out there. I mean, we use, a cold calling script in our office that we just literally took off of a Facebook post that you just posted out there for free. I mean, it's yeah. amazing the the niche that you've carved out for yourself. And I think that's something that as entrepreneurs, we should all strive to do. I mean, uh, it's something that we've struggled with and something that we're changing in our business because we wanted to wholesale, we wanted to flip, we wanted to own rentals, we wanted to do owner finance. And what we found out was we weren't really good at any of them. We had the ability to be, but because we tried to be good at everything, we really weren't great at anything. And so I, I've always looked at people like you with this eye of admiration where it's like, man, you became so laser focused on, like you said, you carved it out where it's just real estate investors. So you do not consider yourself a real estate investor, correct? No, no. I, I have bought a lot of houses. Uh, just kind of when I got deep into this niche and I knew this was going to be a big thing for us, just the market was pulling us into the niche or the, the REI investment space so right. so strongly. Um, when I started the sales training, I would literally go um, from office to office and spend two to three days driving around in the car with the investor or their sales team. And uh, for the first day, day and a half, I would just buy houses and then I'd, I'd flip it and I'd watch them and give them pointers. So First six months to a year, I probably bought uh, 100, 200 houses, but I, I never actually uh, flipped one or, or was an investor right. of any kind. You were just kind of showing them how yep. to do their job, basically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I had to get good at it. I had to know right. what I was talking about. You know, being in this, this space, uh, being an, an educator, um, I had to, you know, walk the walk, I guess. Right. So what I want to do is I have had the, the, the blessing of being able to witness you kind of speak about this process. I kind of just want to, you know, for yeah. the listeners out there, just kind of give some tips and some pointers, some of the analogies that you've used that literally, I mean, they are analogies that I use on a daily basis now um, and things that I, I tell myself when I'm going on appointments with sellers. You know, I, yeah. there's times where I'm walking and the seller's talking and we're walking through the house and they're walking before me and I'm thinking back like, what was that that John said that <laughs> one time at the Dallas Investor Fuel? So um, let's, let's talk about the seller yeah. appointment process, you know, kind of get a little bit granular here. Yeah. Um, what are some of the tips that you give when you first show up for an appointment and you're meeting with a motivated seller, say a cold caller set the appointment. So you've never yeah. actually spoken to the seller before. What are some tips that you could give there? Yeah. So I, I think the most important thing is just to um, kind of relax the environment. Um, you know, any type of sales situation, really any situation where we don't know what to expect, people are, are a little uncomfortable. Uh, they're mm -hmm. a little anxious and whenever we're anxious or uncomfortable, uh, we tend to want to cut that experience short or, um, you know, there's not a lot of conversation. So the first most important thing is, is really just kind of relax the situation. And in a sales scenario, the easiest way to do that is just kind of, you know, set some, some simple expectations. Hey, here's what we're going to do. Um, but then even more important than that is just say, hey, listen, uh, you know, this may end, you know, 
maybe we'll buy the house, maybe not. Doesn't matter. Let's just go through the process and let the cards fall where they where they may, and and relieve that pressure. So, uh, you know, if I was walking into a house, the the major points I'd hit is how long it's going to take, what we're going to do, and then at the end, you know, no pressure. So it, it might sound like, hey, you know, thanks for inviting me over. I know we haven't met yet. Typically, these things, you know, run. 25, 35, 45 minutes, depending on how much you want to talk and how many questions you have for me. Uh, really just want to take a tour of the house, uh, chat with you about what you need, what your situation is. At the end, I'll give you an offer if you love it. We'll talk about what we can do next. Um, and if it doesn't work for whatever reason, no sweat, we gave this thing our best shot. So that's just a really easy way to ease into a sales call and just start to kind of settle the nerves down so we can have a good conversation. So I've got a question for you because yeah. this was a heated debate within <laughs> Next Level Flipping Rising Stars program. Okay. Ryan Robeson and I, we both did um, a, a, a Zoom call about seller negotiations. Okay. okay. And what we found out is, is that Ryan and I are both pretty good closers. Yes. About the same close rate, but we have polar opposite styles and the techniques that we use within the seller appointment. Yeah. And one of those major differences was when I walk in the door, I, I kind of allow the seller, I read the seller to see what they want to do first. Do they want to immediately show me the house and just talk about real estate? Or do they want to sit down at the table and tell me the sob story about right. my husband just died or I just inherited my mother's house or whatever their story is? and allow them to do that. Ryan is dead set on, he is going to go sit down on the couch, he is going to ask for a cup of water, and he wants to build rapport right off the beginning. I actually prefer to walk the house and build rapport with the seller while we're walking through the house. Yeah. Now, when you, you know, train people and you talk yeah. about this process, is there a preferred method that you have or do you kind of just leave that up to the actual acquisitions person? Yeah. So I have a preferred method and I'll tell you what it is and why, but you're actually both right. It's because the first step is to, you know, you want to build that rapport. Um, so Ryan finds it easiest to build rapport just by, you know, sitting down and, and starting to chat. Mm -hmm. um, he is unique though. He's, you know, he's, uh, obviously well seasoned. He's been doing this a long time. That's his comfort zone. Um, and if that's your comfort zone, go to it, build that rapport first. Um, I prefer walking the house just because it gives me an opportunity um, to, to, to chit chat, to have small talk and start to warm up. It's just natural. You're just, you're right. just walking around showing the, the conversation isn't super deep. Now, um, also exactly what you do, I, I do. If they start pulling me, if they're ready, if they start opening up and they're pulling me in a certain direction, I'm not going to stop it and say, no, it's not time for you to open up. I got to walk the house. I'm right. going to let it go there because essentially we're trying to build rapport so we can have that right conversation. If they dive into that conversation early, then, then yeah, let's go there. What I've seen in most of my appointments is, is the first room that you walk into, maybe the dining room or the living room it's a little bit awkward. They're trying to fill me out. I'm trying to fill them out. And you find something to talk about within the house, be it a picture yeah. on the wall, uh, something that you clearly see they remodeled, um, new flooring or a, a granite countertops or something like, oh, those are really pretty granite countertops. And then suddenly they ease up and they start talking. And about the second or third room that you go into, we stop walking 
and we just start talking and they lead the conversation. That's how yeah. it works for me most times. So that's why, yeah. and I agree with you, Ryan is, he's a brilliant person, but he's a little bit unique. And I think he actually thrives within the awkwardness of forcing that sit down on the couch and then he can con control the conversation from there. So, yeah, I mean, he can do it in a very nurturing way. Uh, right. So the way he controls the car, you know, Someone like me, I'm going to be a little bit too awkward. And if I try to control that conversation and push, people are going to feel pressure and shut down. I've personally spoken to Ryan a number of times, and I just know he's got that skill set where he can push, where at the same time, being very nurturing and, and make you feel like he's not pushing, make you very comfortable. So right. if you can do that, you can, you can go for it. But the bottom line is we need a little bit of rapport so we can, we can get into this thing. Yeah, and I have to be very careful because I have a very domineering personality. So if I'm like, hey, we're going to go sit down. This is what we're going to do. It suddenly becomes where it's like I am almost too aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like, so I almost have to kind of keep my mouth shut and be very, I have to relax myself. Yeah. Because I care so much about the situation, right? I mean, think about how much it costs to generate the lead and then how much your cost per acquisition is. And so you're looking at that and there's times where you're on the lead where it's like, man, I, I need to close this one. And so you care so much about, you know, your company and your family and what you're trying to accomplish during that, that for me, it's natural to be just uber aggressive. And so I have to kind of relax myself, almost yeah. tell myself to breathe and just remember I'm there to solve problems, you know? It, so it's, it's not just that. It's, it's sometimes you get into the situation where you will probably, and, and you know, any investor can instantly recognize this is a perfect fit. Like, right. This is something I can help with. They're in a bad situation. I can put them in a good situation. There's so much I can take care of. And you recognize that. So you immediately want to start telling people, here's how I can help you. The problem is, is that doesn't work. You have to get them to realize you can help me. And these are the ways you can help me. So sometimes it's really hard when you see a situation you can help. It's really hard to go keep your mouth shut and, and let them discover this on their own. Uh, let it almost be their idea. Um, so, so, you know, cause if we start convincing, they're going to start pulling away. So they have to discover it and, and you know, all this stuff on their own. And it's really hard to stand back when you know you can help. So let's talk about, I know one of the things that you've taught me in the past and you talked about was go negative. So yeah. for the people that have not heard you talk about that, what do you mean by that and what's the appropriate way to do that? Yeah. So I think go negative, I originally heard from Sandler sales training, so I want to give them credit, but it, it goes back to really what's called psychological reactance or what's more commonly known as reverse psychology. Um, and we see and feel this every day in our lives. If you've got kids and you've ever told them what to do, you know how they just snap back with a, a no. Um, you know, and we feel it in our lives. If, if a spouse or a boss or, or society tells you what to do, there's, you know, a lot of us fight against that. Like, no, you don't tell me what to do. I make up my own decisions. It's just natural for people to fight back against demands, suggestions, those types of things. So because, you know, once you realize that people's, are naturally resistant to anything you want them to, to, you know, the way you want them to think or the way you want them to answer questions or anything, you start actually doing the opposite. So, you know, a quick example, this is a real world example from my son, Jackson. There's a, a point in time where the only thing he ate was a Panera macaroni and cheese. So we literally lunch and dinner had to go through the drive-thru and get Panera macaroni and cheese. Um, 
it's all he would eat. We, you know, eat this? No, eat this? No. Eventually, he stopped even eating that. So what we had to do is put it on the table and say, you can't eat that. And then he'd say, you know, like all kids do, but I want to. And right. we'd finally give it and let the kid eat. So we use that same technique with sellers. So what it does is, you know, it uses that natural tendency to resist, to fight back. It uses it in our favor. So for example, instead of saying, um, hey, listen, I, I could tell you're in a bad situation. You probably want to sell and sell quickly. Um, instead of saying that, you, you do the opposite and you, and you kind of push them towards the no. Uh, like, hey, listen, I, I get that this is not the easiest situation. Um, but the more I talk to you and, and the more I feel things out, it's not feeling like it's urgent. Like this isn't something you, you've got, an, you know, you're feeling an urgency to, to take care of soon and then just step back. And you let that, that, that tendency to push back kick in and they say something like, they start selling themselves. They start discovering all the reasons why it does make sense. They say something like, no, it is kind of urgent. Well, why is that? Well, I can't do this for much longer. And I didn't tell you about these bills that are popping up. And if we don't do this by this date, and they, that's how you help them self-discover all the reasons why they would do business with you. Yeah. And I, w I have to say, you know, just going back, I guess we're going to showcase Ryan a little bit on this. I've yeah. seen Ryan do this. That is one of his most brilliant um, abilities as a salesperson is to force the seller to become the, the salesman. You know, and yeah. it's weird because, you know, you, you're a sales trainer. But in yeah. all reality, we're not selling anything. We're, right. we're buying. I mean, yeah. this is one of the weirdest things as real estate investors is that we are coming in and we are trying to buy something. So in all reality, this makes complete sense to actually make the seller become the salesperson. Yeah. Why do I want to buy your house? Like, hey, not all houses are a good fit for me. I'm not sure. I only like I, the when you taught this to me. It was, yeah. hey, I only buy about ten percent of the houses that I see. So yeah. I hope this is a good fit. I'm not sure if it will be. Let's take a look around the house and see. And the next thing you know, they're telling you all the great things about the house, yeah. and this also makes them come up with numbers. I've had sellers literally just talk themselves into, well, you know, I only owe about seventy five on it. If I could walk away with, you know. 15 or 20 in my pocket, I would be pretty good. Yeah. The next thing you know, I didn't even have to ask them yeah. numbers. They brought it up. They, they broached the subject, which is always one of the hardest things to do is talk numbers. And right. so I, I love it. That's why for me, when I walk into a house, it is, I immediately set those expectations. I kind of briefly give like a one or two sentence, like go negative yeah. and allow them to walk the house and show it to me. And then just let them do majority of the talking. And like I said, maybe the first or second room, I'll give them a slight compliment about something in the house to make them ease. And then from there, you know, normally they stop themselves and tell me their extreme motivation that they have. Yeah. And, and that's really it. It's just, it's really just about removing any, any pressure or fears or anxieties. And once those are, once you relieve those by going negative and, and building rapport and things like that, then, then they just feel free to talk, to, to, to open up. It's, it's a safe environment. So that's, I mean, if I was to boil sales down into that, it's just really creating a, a safe environment so people can, you know, discover their reasons for doing business with you. Yeah. And, and, and that's what the best what? of the best I'm going to use an example of something that happened with me and Cassie recently that most people don't talk about when it comes to sales training because we're talking about how do you actually acquire the property? 
Well, some of these tactics also help save your time. Yeah. We went into the house and we brought up, you know, we went slightly negative, like, you know, we don't buy every house, you know, blah, blah, blah. He understood. Well, what that led him to do was, is explain he had zero motivation to sell this house. Yeah. He actually wasn't motivated. And what he then explained to us was, is, Hey, I appreciate you telling me that you don't buy every house and you're not going to come in here and lowball me and force, try to force me to sell my house. The reason why I brought you, you here today is not to buy this house, but I'm in charge of someone else's estate and they have three houses that they need to sell. And I didn't want to deal with a bunch of hardcore closers that were going to come in here and pressure me. So now I'll let you go see those three houses because I wanted to use this house because I know this isn't an investment property. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it. I'm not motivated. There's no pre-foreclosure. There's nothing. So because we went in there and we kind of went negative and said, hey, we don't, I don't really think this is a good fit for us. There, there's no motivation. And he, it, he appreciated that. So that's something that you know, I think yeah. we don't ever really talk about. It's kind of saving our time. I could have spent easily an hour trying to go down all of the quote right. unquote sales techniques. Yeah. It would have just been a massive waste of time and I wouldn't have yeah. gotten that lead on those three houses. That's the beauty of, of going negative is uh, you're, when you're pulling towards a no, sometimes you actually get there. And right. then and, you, know, you realize, oh, this should be a no. These are the reasons why it is a no. You can do whatever you want to with that information, but you're not just trying to, you know, you're building good relationships. It's, it's crazy. You know, people, sales has such kind of funny real estate investors and salespeople kind of don't have the best reputations. Right. Right. Um, but the funny thing is, is that the very best in both industries just want to help. And they're a hundred percent honest and truthful. And the crazy thing is, is wow. When you have an honest, truthful conversation and literally try to help people, um, and don't have an alternate agenda, you actually do more deals, have better conversations, develop better relationships. It's, it's, for me, when I learned that, it was eye-opening and it was a huge relief. It was like, I don't have to be a jerk. I can, I can be a great person, be very comfortable with what I do, happy with what I do, and by the way, blow my competition out of the water doing it. I think that's amazing and more people need to hear that. Yeah, and the other aspect of sales and running an appointment that I think most people don't want to touch base on is pay attention to your surroundings. Like, be aware of what you're looking at. And this particular lead, when we pulled up, this is the end of summer here in Fort Worth, Texas, okay, yeah. and the beginning of fall. There is not one piece of green grass in the state unless – it is a very well taken care of yard. When I pulled up to this man's yard, this was the greenest yard. I mean, it looked like a golf course. <laughs> I mean, right off the bat, I'm going, what am I doing here? Like, yeah. where is this guy finding motivation? He lives here, so it's not like he inherited it or anything like that. So right off the bat, I was already hesitant of yeah. what am I doing here? This guy, doesn't, he doesn't have a financial distressor. There's not like uh, something underlying here that I'm not aware of. Yeah. And, and that's what kind of led us down that path. And it, and it worked out. You know, I mean, we didn't get the three houses. Um, we made an offer on it and it didn't work out, but it still gave us that opportunity. So, right. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting way that we have to go about things because, yeah, we're trying to sell ourselves, but we are buying something. What are some of the other tips that you give like further on down the appointment? Yeah. 
after the initial, you know, once you kind of get down to the meat, some, you know, meat and bones of the, the appointment, what are some other tips that you have? Yeah. So uh, I'll hit two. So one is um, when you're finding out about their motivation, when they're talking about it, try to keep going until you can find out, you know, whatever's happening, whatever the motivation is, keep going and digging until you find out how that personally impacts somebody. That's where the real motivation is. So you can, you can literally ask, and I've asked this before, sometimes, you know, I'll be on an appointment, uh, you know, in this industry or others, and I'll just say, listen, I'm hearing a lot of stuff about why it might make sense to do business together, but what I'm not hearing is, how does this impact you at all? Right. And, you know, and so sometimes I literally just ask it straight out and, you know, we're looking for, well, you know, it impacts how I spend my time, what I'm stressed out about, you know, um, what I don't get to do because of this junk. And, and, and that's really the motivation you're looking to solve. The rest of the stuff is just fluff until you get down how, you know, nobody takes action unless they're being personally impacted by something or a loved one is being personally impacted. And I guess you could say if a loved one's being impacted, then you are right. Because you feel right. bad for them. You, you, no one wants, you know, anything bad happen to their loved one. So personal impact is real motivation. So don't, stop the conversation until you get there if possible. The next one I'd say the, the biggest tip is for the very end of the appointment. And it ties right back into how we started this conversation going negative. And it, it's the ultimate, right? If, if, if you end an appointment and it's not a yes, you got to live by the rule that it's a no. Like that's just it. There's, there's yeses and there's no's. Like as salespeople, as investors, we try to, you know, convince ourselves that you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel but at the end of the day you know if i sat down and i, I talked to 100 investors and i said okay how the appointment end okay well we're going to talk later okay so was that a yes no okay how the appointment end well they just got to you know check with this one person okay was that a yes i guess not how the appointment end well they said it's absolutely awesome they love us they're signing the paperwork in 30 minutes do you have the paperwork no so you got to understand that anything other than a yes, that is 100% a no, and you got to call it like you see it. Um, so if you get to the end of an appointment and there's any, you didn't do a deal, then you just got to say, listen, I'm not sure where this will go, but you know, I think we just got to call it what it is. Um, you know, after everything we've talked about and discussed and looked at, if we're not comfortable, either one of us, with moving forward, you know, it, it, it's got to, at this point, we, we've got to call it a no, uh, so we both know how we're moving forward. I've got other houses to look at. I, I need to know, you know, I'm running a business, so let's just call it what it is. And the reason why this is so important is because there's no bad outcome. There's, there's, there's only three things that happen. One, they do the deal, right? Sometimes we don't do stuff until we're forced to. And right. It's like, well, if I'm, I'm going to keep thinking and thinking and thinking. And when I'm finally, when I'm, my back's up against the wall, I'll decide. Sometimes that's the moment. And they go, you know what? I've dealt with this crap long enough. Let's just do it. Not a bad outcome, right? Right. Uh, next thing that can happen is it's a no. And they just, they say, yeah, I think you're right. It's just not going to work out right now. And even though you don't want to know, it's like, shoot, at least you know where you are. Like, you know what's going on right? You're not following up with, I mean, if you're in this business marketing at all for six months, you've got probably a thousand leads you're trying to follow up with. Impossible. So right. at least it helps you know where you're at with that, that seller and you can go a couple of different ways. But another thing that happens sometimes is if there is motivation and it's not a no, there's just something that they're still trying to figure out. It exposes that and they won't let you leave. They'll say, no, it's not that, you know, it's not, I am interested I just got to figure this out. 
I got to think about this. I got to talk to this person. And then you've uncovered the one or two little things that are keeping this deal from moving forward. It might turn into a deal. It might not, but at least you know what's standing in the way and you can address it. So that's the rule. Anything other than a yes is a no. Um, you can't lose. You absolutely can't. I love that that third outcome that you just brought up because I think that's something that as investors, I think we could all go back to this huge thing that the seller didn't tell us yeah. exposed with that phone call two days after the appointment where they're like, okay, so here's the situation. Right. Um, there's another heir involved or um, I'm divorced and I can't actually sell my, or, or something along these yeah. lines that it's like, holy cow, like now I understand. And so to expose that during the meeting, during the appointment, yeah, that's a, that's a huge benefit to the whole process because what are we doing? We're solving a problem, right? And so if we don't fully understand all of the problems up front and that exposes it, now you've actually won the game. Now you can sit there and, and try to solve the, the actual issue. The right. issue that maybe they didn't want to tell you until you forced it. Like, hey, I want to sell RJ my house, but I can't because of this one factor and I haven't told them yet. That's, right. that's huge. Going back to the first tip that you gave there, yeah. when you dig deep and you get to that, that motivation and you understand how it's personally impacting them or a loved one or something like that, what do you do with that information? Because I think that is something yeah. that we, we kind of struggle with. We talk a lot about building rapport and finding that motivation, but what do you do with that information once you Man, have it? That is a good freaking question. Probably one of the best questions I've ever been asked. Yes. But, with that information, is you make that the problem you're solving. Um, you make that, it, the convert, you turn the conversation, you use that to change the conversation from real estate and buying houses to solving that problem. And I'm going to give you an example just for, cause I'm guessing it's a, just a ton of investors, uh, both, you know, yep. mature investors who listen to this investors just starting out and everything in between, but let's just, I'm going to use an example of, of investors to, to make my point. So why do people invest in real estate? Why do people choose this path? Um, you might love real estate, but it's, no one does this cause they love real estate, right? Um, so, okay, let's get to personal impact. So, so why do you do this? Well, I know investors make good money. Okay. So why is that important? Well, if I make good money, then I, you know, I don't have to worry about money anymore. Okay. Why is that important? Well, cause I haven't been able to do these things and I'm stressed out and I don't have the relationship with my family that I want to. Are those things important, right? When you get down to personal impact, you can, you can then sell anything because personal stuff is everyone wants to solve it. So for example, if my sales training was a hundred thousand bucks, here's here's how I'd sell it, man. Um, I'd sell it just like this. Hey, okay, will you role play with me? And you can be as honest yeah. as you want to. Yeah. So RJ, why are you a real estate investor? Uh, I want freedom of time, and I want to actually create generational wealth for my family. Okay, sounds important to you. Two yes. things there: freedom of time. Uh, what's that mean to you? Probably different people, different definitions. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it would be traveling with traveling the world, spending time with my family. I actually want to be there. You know, I, I think right now I, I miss out on, you know, Trinity's hockey practices sometimes, Serenity's dance practices, and yeah, I don't want to miss out on those moments. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've got five kids myself. Um, when I miss that stuff, it sucks. Uh, yeah. I feel it, I, and, and I feel regret. Uh, 
you same or kind of different? No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I think it's it's always frustrating when I miss it by say a half hour, so I don't yep. go, and then I have to sit at home for an hour by myself, and then I have to ask for the recap, and you know, it's it's always chaos after because it's you know dinner, shower bedtime homework and there's no time to actually catch up so because i missed the moment i really don't get to spend any time with them at all that night yeah and, and for me it it sometimes you know you think it's okay and you know how resilient kids are but you get to that point and I, you know i've hit this with a few of my kids and it's been a wake-up moment for me example uh my oldest daughter 16 years old now uh doesn't pay me you know any attention right like you almost think like it doesn't care if i'm around at all had an orchestra concert a couple months ago. Uh, I went, I watched her play and everybody else. It was a couple hours long. Uh, we le it ends, I go to the car because I think she, I'm gonna embarrass her if I pick her up at the step right there in front of her friend. So I go to the car, she is livid with me, upset, hurt, crying because I was not there waiting for her. And you start to see that type of impact and it breaks your heart. So I get, you know, I mean, have you had any of those moments with your kids where it just, it, it hits home, it's real? I, well, yeah, I had it last night, actually. Uh, yeah. My son got glasses and I was on a call when I got home and it was a, it was a very important phone call. Yeah. And, and I had to stay on it and... My son knows that I've worn glasses since I was a kid, and he had a ton of questions. My, my son is over-analytical, so he wanted yeah. to ask, where do I put them when I go to, you know, when I, <laughs> when I take a shower, where do I put them? Yeah. When I go to bed, where do I put them? How do I clean them? What yeah. happens if a football hits me in the face? Like, he had all these yeah. questions, and I, I wasn't there. And so, yeah. actually, when he went to sleep, he was upset. So, I had to go wake him up and kind of tell yeah. him, hey, I'm so sorry, and so yeah, it was. Uh, it, I had that moment last night actually. Okay, I mean, I, so that's important. I, I get that. I feel it. I live it every single day. So I, yeah. I get it. Um, let me ask you this. Um, let's pretend my sales training was a hundred thousand bucks. Okay. Let's pretend for a second that you could go on half the appointments in half the markets and and close just as many deals, so you could gain that freedom of time and you never missed another moment. If you believe that, if you were confident that you could work less, get the same amount of deals, and maybe you're gonna still miss some of those moments, but half of them that you are missing now, you wouldn't. Right. Is that worth 100 grand to you? Yes. Okay, see, it's a no-brainer. So what, what I mean by that is that's the problem we're solving. So if right. I was selling you sales training, I'm not selling you on, um, the conversation is not about, well, how important are increasing your close rates? It's what's personal impact. And then to answer your question, that's what the sale becomes is how important is that problem to solve? And then here's how I can solve it. Now, if someone was looking at my sales training, they're going to put some number on it. But if we get to what the real personal impact is, that's a much bigger problem that people are going to be much more willing to invest in solving. Does, does, that, does that answer the question, man? Yeah, I think so. And, and on top of that, I mean, your sales abilities while you're selling someone else, it's literally like an audition. Like if you were selling me something, I'm going to pay attention to how you sell me on your training. And when I come out of it, I'm going to be like, wow, I, I feel good about the fact that he just sold me. I, I'm now yeah. super excited to learn from him and, and get those techniques, you know? So yeah, yeah I mean, it, it does answer the question. And, and I think it's very important for us to understand that because I think from a high level, 
you know, it's very easy for us to say things like build rapport and, and find their motivation. But then when it comes down to it, I think the, the things that separate great closers from the average is what you do with that once you have it. Yeah. What do you do with the rapport? What do you do with the motivation? And how do you solve the problem? Those things are, are key. I think oftentimes they're probably talked about in your training, but in yeah. the, the high level Facebook groups and the masterminds and things like that, sometimes that's not touched on enough and right. what it actually means to solve a problem. So thank you for sharing that, that analogy there um, for us. Another thing I want to talk about before we wrap up is I don't think many people understand the introvert that you are. Yeah. And it's amazing to me that you've been able to overcome that, to become a, a leading, an industry leading sales trainer. And you get up in front of people and you speak <laughs> in front of hundreds of people in your sales training programs and you do YouTube videos all the yeah. time to promote your business. Yeah. How have you been able to overcome that? Uh, I, I wouldn't say I've overcome it. Uh, it's still scary. I mean, every event I go to just, I, I, I freak out on the inside, you know, it's, uh, I guess, I don't know. Um, I, I found some creative ways to, to overcome it. Uh, so instead of doing stuff live, I do videos cause I can speak and you know, I can sit in my car and talk to my phone. Right. Um, and then I never, I've never watched a single one of my videos because I, you know, then I freak out like, oh, people are going to see this. I look dumb. I said something stupid. Is that what my voice really sounds like, right? <laughs> so um, I, I, I just find workarounds. So, you know, I looked at me, I just started a new Facebook campaign for a different business I have. And I looked and in the last three days, uh, the videos have touched 350,000 people. So that's a way I, I, I recorded it you know, the stuff in the privacy of my home all by myself. And I got the message out to 350,000 people without having to, you know, stand on stage or do any of that. So a lot of stuff, you know, there's workarounds. And, and then whenever it is time just to speak to people, I, I, I suck it up and I, I do it. But it's, um, I don't do it often anymore just because I found workarounds. So uh, what, and the reason why I wanted to bring this up is because there are so many brilliant people that I know in this industry I've spoken to. I'm blown away by the knowledge that they have. And because they have this natural introvert feelings, they don't put it out there and they don't right. let people hear their wisdom like you have and shared it with the world. And you have impacted so many people. I mean, I, I could think of, maybe a handful of people that I personally know in this industry that have touched as many people as you have. I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it blows me away. And so thank you for finding the workarounds yeah. and overcoming that because it could have been very easy for you to not have done that. You know, you could have just kind of given in to the, your natural tendencies. And um, part of the reason why I did the podcast is because um, I have a little bit of introvert, yeah nature myself, um, which is funny now because yeah. this has totally busted me out of that. Now yeah. I have no problem speaking on stage <laughs> or doing anything like that because I've, I've now learned like this is a passion of mine to talk to yeah. other people and, and share the power of real estate investing. So thank you for overcoming your fear <laughs> and finding those workarounds, man. 
Um, with that being said, do you have any final thoughts for our listeners and the best way that they can connect with you and learn more from you? Yeah, if anyone wants uh, any of our stuff, just go to midwestrev.com. If you type in reisalesacademy.com, also gets there. So we got free videos and information about everything we do. So uh, easiest way to, to find out about us. Uh, parting thought, I guess, would just be, uh, you know, I guess I say this all the time because I think this is the most important thing anyone who's building anything can hear is do something, take some action. Um, I think we're, we're, we live at a time where people wait too long and learn too much before doing. Now, education is important. I'm an educator. But there comes a time if you want to make progress, the only way to guarantee progress is by doing. Um, so wherever you're at in your business right now, take that next step and see what happens. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy yeah. person. Well, I know you only have like another two and a half hours this week to work. Because <laughs> you only work like three hours a week. But uh, <laughs> if you don't know that joke, follow John on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you, you'll quickly learn. He, he loves his time with his family. I and, do. And uh, keeping a lean company. So, John, thank you so much for taking the time today. Guys, that's our episode for this week. If you enjoyed it and you listened on iTunes, please give us a five-star uh, rating. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and give us a thumbs up. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.